Hi, I'm Terry O'Reilly, founder of OBP Australia, a service for overseas-born professionals looking to either get their first job in Australia or advance their career once they're established in their profession. Welcome to the podcast. Each episode, I'll be talking to an ex-OBP Australia client who's been successful in finding employment in Australia. We'll get to hear about their journey and what advice they have for job seekers. Diraj is a civil engineering project manager and has worked in regional Australia handling tender management, contract management and capital works delivery. He's managed the design and delivery of complex building projects involving a multidisciplinary team of architects, consultants and contractors. Currently he's working on a Victorian big build project in Melbourne. Diraj kick-started his engineering career in Nepal working as a civil engineer for a multinational telecom company. He moved to Australia in 2012 to pursue a master's degree and enhance his learnings further in project management. Apart from work, he also volunteers at the local CFA, that's the Country Fire Association, training to be a volunteer firefighter. I first met Diraj in 2015, after he'd completed his master's in civil engineering. My initial impression was that he was professional in his approach to finding work, methodical, thorough, and showed great attention to detail, all prerequisites for being an excellent engineer and leader. Diraj, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Terry. Now, we first met in 2015, that's right? Yeah, that's right, 2015, yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you'd already been here a couple of years completing your master's at that stage, is that right? Yeah, so I moved to Australia around uh, 2012, so July 2012 for my master's degree. Um, then, yeah, I was living in Melbourne for the whole time um, and then finished my master's around, again, mid-year 2014. And then was working, uh, when I met you uh, at that time, I just got my permanent residency and then could apply for, you know, more proper jobs, more proper engineering jobs at the time, yeah. Now, it's it's been quite a while, so I'm going to ask you to try and take yourself back to that time yeah. when you first arrived as a student. Yeah. Uh, tell us about those first few weeks and months. Can you remember the feeling? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a big, you know, milestone in my own personal life. Um, I went, my, my learning trajectory was was really steep. The curve was really steep for the first few months. Um, so, yeah, um, well, I moved to uh, Melbourne. Uh, the first few weeks I lived at one of the house, a shared house that one of my friend's sister was renting in Morumbina. Um, yeah, spent a few first nights over there and then, after a week or so, I was able to find um, accommodation of my own. Um, I moved to moved into that house in Glenroy, uh, thinking that I'll be there for just a semester. It's like three or four months, but ended up living there for three years. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. It's always good to have people here, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And and um, and the people that I stayed um, the first few weeks, I didn't. Even, I hadn't even met them, so I'm. I'm I'm really in debt to them. Like, you know, they, they took me in and then helped me, you know, um, establish myself in the first few weeks. I think that made a lot of things um, easier here. Sure. And and did you do any sort of internship as part of your master's or was it all coursework or research work? 
Yeah, that was all coursework. Um, yeah, coursework uh, based. Um, there was small research component over there, but we had a, a industry um, led or or industry um, you know uh, promoted um, um, a, a design project. So it was like seven eight students coming together and then work basically like a team. There will be a project manager, a geotechnical engineer, structural engineer, all working together. Everyone had a specific role. Like you have in the workplace and that gave us a real life scenario and at that time that project we based it upon uh, a you know um, development project around fisherman's bend i think that that was a real life um, scenario for me and, and helped me understand uh, a lot of basics that that i didn't get in my um, bachelor's degree yeah right so you finished your master's tell yeah. us about what you did to find work in your profession initially and whether that changed, whether your strategy changed at the start or you just continued to, to seek yeah. work in that way? Yeah, so, um, so 2014, mid-2014, finished my uh, master's and then um, I, was, I was applying at that time as well, uh, really um, uh, actively applying while in uni. I, I knew that after, as soon as I got my master's degree, I would be eligible to apply for permanent residency um, because it was point best point based and I, I knew where I you know stood in that point system um, I, I had my ILTS the English exam done while I was uni as well so all that ticked off but the, the job component I didn't anticipate it to be that difficult um, yeah so coming mid-year I think most of the companies um, who were hiring for group for grad years, they wouldn't take anyone. There was no intake in media. So I had to wait um, quite a few months to apply for a proper grad role position. Uh, but meantime, I was applying in the small companies as well. And then um, there were two parts for the rejection. One, I didn't have um, permanent residency or permanent visa. I was in a extended visa after my student visa, but that, was, that didn't give the employer's assurance. And the second one was I didn't have any local experience. So that turned out to be a bit, bit challenging uh, for myself than, than what I anticipated, yeah. So what, what happened that enabled you to get your first job? Did you get it when you still had the, the temporary visa or did you get permanent before you got the job? Yeah, so so when uh, so the, the time around I met you, I think it's 2015, in July, June, yep. July. I think I remember that being a cold day, winter day that I drove to your um, office in Foundry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, at that time I had my permanent residency sorted out, and then I was actively applying, and and I was I was I was applying a few places that didn't had um, any luck. Uh, so I thought I would I would change my strategy, and then I spoke to yourself. You. You had a review of my CV and, and you know gave me a bit of bit of understanding of those um, employer lookout some tips. Um, so I changed my strategy. One, how I approached the employers, um, and then the second was you know, just to have a different um, approach to how I how I get to the prospective employers. And I, I at that time I did had two good interviews with really uh, tier one consultant companies. So they, they're really uh, big consultant engineering companies. I was really close um, um, almost to the last round to one, but but um, yeah, I got rejected. I didn't, didn't get much feedback on that rejection, but <clears throat> I kind of anticipated it was because of my visa condition at that time as well. 
Um, so yeah, so the the CV, um, there was automated CV system, most of the grant applications. So so I was I was doing something wrong, which I couldn't go past the first stage. So I think after meeting you, change a bit of um, outlook of the CV. So a bit of formatting, a bit of text, um, the sentences, language, and and active searching got a bit, bit different as well for me. Yeah. Sure. And do you remember that that interview uh, which landed you the job? And yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that. What sort of interview was it? Yeah. Um, I think um, at that time, it kind of worked out as I would say. I, I won't attribute this whole to luck because if I wouldn't go there, apply with a good CV, they wouldn't hire me. But um, kind of, um, you know, um, I happened to um, see this ad in, in Wodonga. Um, out in regional Victoria, honestly, I would I I didn't know where it was Wodonga in the map of Victoria, and I had never been to Wodonga before that time. So it just um, yeah, I applied to that position, um, and then they called me for uh, they, well, actually they had me for a phone interview, and then yeah, they had, after that um, the second was face to face interview up in Wodonga itself, um, and then yeah, just uh, chatting with them. I chatted with my experience that I had um, in engineering back in Nepal. Um, and then I think they, they got my values, I think, lined up with theirs and, and what I was looking for in that stage of my career. So kind of worked out, I would say. Yeah. Great. And for those people who don't know, Wodonga is on the Murray River, which is the border is. between Victoria and New South Wales. Is, yes. So yeah. if you have driven from Melbourne to Sydney or Sydney to Melbourne, you you would not miss Wodonga because it's right on the border. As soon as you cross the Murray River, you'd see a big sign, Albury to Wodonga, Wodonga to Albury sign. Yeah. And how long is the drive from Melbourne? About three hours? Uh, from three hours, yeah, yeah. About three hours from, um, from if you say, from Epping. From, yeah. And how is life in the country, regional? Oh. Oh, amazing, amazing. I, I loved it. I, I was initially there for two years contract. Uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't expect myself like living there for longer than, than I, I stayed there for about three and a half years and, uh, and enjoyed every bit of it. Um, yeah, I moved out around 2019 and then that was not a push factor. That was more like, you know, getting back in the big smoke <laughs> in mm. back in Melbourne. So a lot of pull factors, I would say. Um, but yeah, I still, I think the plan is to go back then 20, 30 years time again. <laughs> right. So what what's attractive about Wodonga and regional Australia in general? Because yeah. it is a good option for, for many um, skilled migrants <laughs> coming over here. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and as I said earlier, like, you know, my, my initial, my life for uni, most of my Australian friends, um, they were getting jobs uh, uh, here in Melbourne and consulting, contracting, tier one contracting. So I was more focused in Melbourne as well. But uh, but I think regional Victoria was was not in my option in the start. But later on when I found, you know, there was potential and there were like a job market out there and really lucrative job market out there. Um, yeah, I kind of, um, yeah, just happened to stumble upon that. And then, yeah, um, just work there life is i would say it's it's what you make up um you know some people they get bored really easily some people they, they find it really exciting living up in the country uh luckily i, I happen to make really good friends over there um the like Wodonga was perfectly situated you know but not far from like drive distance from sydney not far from falls creek 
you know, Mount Hotham, Hume Lake, just over there. So it, it matched with my active lifestyle as well. Yeah, I've um, seen some of your posts. You're quite an active guy. You do a bit of running <laughs> and uh, hiking yeah. and so on. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I think I would say I've been a bit slack after after COVID or during COVID, but I think I, w- I was my fittest and my best form in my running as well when I was up in Udonga. <laughs> yeah, we had a good good team going on um, there with running and, you know, all those um, city-to-city runs, something like that. And then there was always like hiking spots. Um, yeah, any any weekend you pick the amazing weather, and then you go for hiking to Beechworth, up in Beechworth, or, or somewhere in Stanley or something like that. Yes. Yeah, there's a nice um, a rail trail. I don't know if you've seen there that is. a bike ride. It traces yeah. the old uh, train track there around is, yeah. Beechworth. Yeah. Yeah, so so uh, while I was working in the local government, uh, local council over there, yeah, mm-hmm. I think there was a few projects that to up, upgrade those those rail rail tracks um, for for bike riding and um, yeah, and save like you can run on those tracks as well. And there was beautiful run like running circuits uh, along Lake Hume as well. Yeah, and you're active in the local CFA, which is the Country Fire Association. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So my first intro introduction to CFA was up in Wodonga, but I, I was not a member over there as I knew few people from work um, who, who were involved in Wodonga CFA. Um, then, yeah, I decided to join CFA when I moved back to Melbourne and currently I'm living, I'm living in South Moray. So, yeah, I, I um, decided to volunteer with them a few months ago, actually. Um, I think it worked out with, with, my, with my timing and then I'm still... Uh, what they call a rookie firefighter, which is like still in training. Uh, but yeah, if I if I finish that training all in time and finish all those my coursework online, then I'll be able to be a volunteer firefighter in the next few months. That's great. So what inspired you to do that? Um something different than my day job. So so you know I'm 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 working as a project manager uh, in a um, construction project. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I get to see a bit of action in the site as well, bit behind the desk. Uh, but yeah, CFA was was more um, like I'm always, you know, I was looking for any cause to volunteer um, in uni as well. I volunteered in a few of the clubs and all, but yeah, I wanted to find a cause uh, that would go all around the year. Um, and then, uh, yeah, um, did kind of happen to find and it was between SCS and CFA, so but I, yeah, I think CFA is convenient to look at it to where I live. So yeah, just yeah, so went went with CFA. Sure. And just going back to when you came to Australia again, yeah. um, I noticed that Canada's increased its uh, intake of skilled migrants hugely. What? Why did mm-hmm. you pick Australia? Um, I think at that time, um, so 2012, um, my thought process was. I would want to move in a country where, you know, first English is the language of, uh, you know, education. Like, you know, um, there was like lucrative um, uh, spots and scholarship offered in Germany as well. And I had a few friends who moved to Germany, but um, yeah, I spent at that time 20, 24 years of my life learning English. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be bothered to learn uh, another language, let alone for, for a master's degree. So, so one English speaking country, second would be the lifestyle. So always, I think, had a, had a good, good image of Australia. And then given to Canada, America, uh, or the UK as well, I think yeah, there was a good balance over here. And, and after I finished my studies, there were 
pathways that would lead to a permanent residency and, and, and a good job opportunity. I think that that during my research that stood out for, for Australia. Yeah. Right. So a few uh, logical reasons why it would be a good choice there. Um, bringing you to today, yep. you're a civil engineering project manager. Tell us a little bit about what you do on a daily basis. Um, daily basis. Um, so I'm involved in one of the uh, big build projects here in Melbourne. Um, so my my day to I, I've recently changed role actually uh, with this current one, uh, but uh, yeah we will be um, procurement um, mostly at this point in time. Um, but I would I was doing utility relocation, so uh, moving sewer, telecom, uh, you know water asset um, before the you know the construction of a road happens. Um, it would be a lot of stakeholder engagement. So there would be a lot of local governments, um, uh, local clubs, uh, schools, private uh, firms that we have to um, liaise with to, to undertake our works um, with them. Um, and then, yeah, plan plan ahead um, of, of those works, plan the disruptions, work with the contractors to plan those disruptions. Um, other Sunday, I'll be yeah working on... Um, you know, just um, doing some pretty pictures. Um, so I'm not necessarily in, in AutoCAD. We we would have like dedicated people um, in, in doing those AutoCAD, but do some mud maps and give it to the experts to to draw it beautifully. Beautifully, um, do something in GIS. A um, lot of Excel spreadsheets <laughs> to 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 track you know program cost, um, um, to track progress and all that as well. Um, they and are, you, are you working from a, an on-site office or is are you in a head office somewhere? Um, at, at this point, I'm based in the city. Um, so yeah, so it's that phase in in my project, my current project. Then I'm more office based at the moment, but but looking to be on site in next year. So uh, previously, in, in another role in the same same uh, organization, I was on site as well. So I used to go on. It was not dedicated role on site. Um, but yeah, I had to go now and then just to get the progress and you know uh, get the progress photos uh, to for reporting uh, to upper management. Um, yeah, go on site to check check few things. Um, if there was a delivery, have a look. If there were some issues, there were some complaints from the stakeholders, have a look. Um, you know, investigate and report back or, or verify those those uh, those claims. Yeah, sure. And I would imagine with any major construction project there are lots of problems what what are the main challenges a civil engineer faces on such a project um i think i think it varies in in what what stage of the project um you are um the challenge we have is like you know okay like we have a program an idea how we uh, engineers understand how to deliver it but but telling that story of how we would deliver in in what manner to 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 a regular person on the street and tell, telling it really sim in simple words, I think that that's the biggest challenge. And and keep and showing them that you know what we're doing, um, you know sometimes the 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 decision or or the 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 process might not be favored. Or not be favorable for that stakeholder, but we try to explain that you know there's this certain pain and and other side what we're trying to gain is 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 what we we try to you know uh, tell them. So I think that's that's one of the biggest challenges for any engineer. I would say to interpret the the drawings and, and the process in, in simple words. 
Um, so stakeholders channels. could be local citizens. It could be yep. Yep. Um, traders, council, yep, traders, clubs, um, clubs, yeah, local yep. government councils, um, yep. any any you know um, interested group, you know any um, soccer clubs, yeah, all that. Sure. And, I mean, it must be rewarding seeing something go up that you're a part of and, and yeah. managing. What what yeah. do you see as the most rewarding part of a of being a I project think, manager on something like that? I think um, it's point, yeah, um, there's, there's planning involved in, in, in doing a work. So, so, so this one project I delivered, um, you know, um, you know, there's a saying called, you know, measure twice, build once. Um, it literally happens that that you know, like we we spend almost a year, eighteen months, twelve to eighteen months planning something, and the, and the actual build is is like twelve weeks, three months. Um, we have seen that happen, and then actually seeing those utilities getting built, and then uh, you know those um, services getting built, and then getting used used by the purpose it was built for. That's that's really rewarding, and sometimes I drive past as well. You know, like I see, oh, that's uh, I built, I worked on that yeah. one. So something that, to tell your kids, huh? Exactly, exactly. That, yeah. that, that's right. And then that the project I'm in as well is it's like really a legacy project. So so I drive there around, you know, next seven or eight years, and yeah, I would be proudly saying that you know I worked in that project in this section exactly. And then <laughs> yeah, that, that's I think that's really good. that that's beauty of being a civil engineer. Um, you know, um, any um, like you see physical thing getting built right up from the ground and then there's this mammoth structure in front of you. Yeah. Great. And from a professional development perspective, yeah. do you do anything that is formally organized or is it all incidental and naturally evolving as part of your job? How, how are you approaching and how do other engineers in your industry approach professional development in Australia? Yeah. Um, so, talking my workplace, the workplaces I've worked before and at the moment, so you know, professional development is encouraged. Um, there, there is a seventy twenty ten rule, which I found like after joining this organization. So, um, seventy comes from your 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 people around you, your experience, the people who you work around around. Your, yourself like you know looking at your seniors what your counterparts are doing what people are doing in the industry 70 comes from there uh 20 comes from your um shadowing someone again like you know having a mentor talking someone one-to-one -one, having a role model you know if you find a, um, a senior project manager in the same project or other project um that that comes from there and then 10 comes from your actual formal education so Ten is your if you attend seminars, you attend a course. It comes from formal education. So I was always in the in the view before that was like you know fifty percent or sixty percent come from a formal education, um, but I think it's only ten percent that counts. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's formal education is is like has less weight, but if it's no good, uh, and I can attest to that as it's no good for that education if you can't implement it and then you can't see you know um, or, or you know discuss that with someone so um, if you go on a seminar meet like-minded people and uh, then you discuss the ideas and you discuss the experience and you get more out of it um, than studying a book and just keeping to yourself I would say yeah yeah and that that's a 90% breakdown on actually doing the job really isn't it 70% you know working yeah. day to day and 20% yeah. tailing somebody and 
that you learn by doing, I guess, which is the yeah, same for yeah, most exactly. jobs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and then it's like learning on the job. Um, yeah, I think that that's that's really encouraged at the moment. And um, you know, there's so much resources around for professional development. Um, like you, you don't need to, for example, like if you go into Engineers Australia, um, so you, you there's so many uh, resources out there. You can tie up with someone in 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 Perth, for example. Uh, and talk to them as a mentor and then learn from them or something like that. So so if, you, if you're really keen, uh, it depends what you're after, but if you're really keen, there are a lot of resources um, yeah, out there to, to really you know upgrade your professional development. Right. So you've worked here for quite a few years now. Did you work in Nepal at all or did you come straight through Bachelor Master's? No, I worked for about two and a half years in Nepal um, right. right after my undergrad in 2009. So so I worked in a, in a multinational company um, over there who were building telecommunication towers. So that was my first job out of uni in Nepal. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, I would say it, that job experience also contributed a bit to getting my first job here in Australia. I'm um, sure. So, I'm sure that's not a lot of people have that. I mean, if you come here straight from bachelor, masters, no yeah. experience, it's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. because um, I, I luckily like you know that like I was going for grad positions after my masters as well. Sometimes I was like you know getting like like you know too experienced or you know um, I was not fresh out of the uni, so I had some experience as well. So some encouraged me to go for a little bit experienced grad position as well. So. So it was a learning process, but yeah, the, the position I I got as a first job in Australia was a project engineer job, which, which was like you know, a bit above than a grad position. Yeah. And, and, um, and how would you compare the workplace culture between Nepal and Australia? So things like you know management style or yeah, how people interact at work. Yeah, oh, that's that's huge difference. Like if, even if if um, although I was working in a multinational company, people from so many you know, nationalities, they're working in Nepal. Um, but I think the culture was said that, you know, you don't ask questions to your seni seniors. Um, you know, you don't, um, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. If they ask you to jump, you don't ask, um, you know, how deep is that tool? So um, so you just, um, yeah, follow those orders and just, yeah, get your marching orders and keep going. So over here, you there's more collaborative approach. So that I got to learn in uni during my master's degree so even master's degree like it was yes a degree but for me it was like more of a cultural introduction to australian workplace and australian you know um, so by the time you got your first paid job in australia you were a little bit familiar with the way things operate yeah yeah and, and like you know not just in uni but even in like i was, I was yeah. waiting i was working in a restaurant i, I worked in in an outlet uh, like ways outdoors and all that so i was i was a bit aware of it was like there was really a, a casual culture like really frank culture between the, the senior management and, and the employee as well so so yeah it was um uh, it's not a culture shock but it was like it was really um easy to communicate with your your upper management and then you could give on feedback like you know that was something that unheard for me like you give feedbacks to your 360 feedback to your seniors like you know your your upper management and then that was something yeah that's new to me and then i um yeah i think that that's how is is a continuous improvement is achieved i would say and that was a that was a good 
good culture that was introduced over here. Um, did did that feel I, a bit uncomfortable at the early it did, stages? It did. It did. So when when you in our first job, like you know, you do that do that end of the year review. You have to give your manager a feedback, and then <laughs> what feedback you give, you know, good or bad. And then I had some people give like who were really straightforward. Or I told that, and then and they they took that on board. Um, um, even you give your feedback up. Oh, Oh, this was in uni actually yeah, you give your feedback end of the year feedbacks to your professors and your lecturers and then tell they were happy to learn what went wrong during the course and they were fixing it the next year right away and then that happened yeah in back in Nepal when I was studying you don't ask questions to your like you don't question back your professors <laughs> right. I think that was a, that was a big culture difference again yeah that's yeah. a significant difference in the way it people is. operate isn't it it is yes yes so, so people who've never experienced that Australian workplace culture before and are coming from something quite different, yeah. what, what advice could you give them, you know, to help them fit in, to feel a bit more comfortable perhaps? Um, yeah. you know, what, what do people talk about at work? What, what advice would you give for somebody who's had no exposure at all to Australian yeah. workplace? Yeah. Um, if, if you're coming here, um, if, if you migrate here as, you know, like experience, like not through a student pathway and then from day one you had your permanent residency, I would say don't be afraid or don't be ashamed of taking um, a customer service job. That, I would say, that helped me give so much of education on the culture and way to speak to people and, you know, the, the lingos and, and all those jargons and all that. Um, first is I think yeah you, you you feel comfortable you it's not it's not that you don't you have an accent or you have um, you know you have less knowledge of the the Australian society don't don't be afraid like you know just speak to it they would understand um, and then if people are, say I have traveled a bit um, and then I would say Australian peoples are are really accommodating. I would say I definitely hand on heart. Um, I've lived here for a while. I've traveled a while and say Australian people are like society over here. We are a bit accommodating than, than other societies that I've been. Um, yeah, don't be afraid. Um, get, you know, you don't have to, and, and one thing, don't, but don't be afraid, but don't try too hard to fit in as well. Like if, if you don't understand the footy game that they were talking on Monday, like don't don't try to feel like it's okay. You don't understand footy. They might not understand cricket, so that's fine. Um, um, second is like, yeah, just, um, you know, just, just be casual. Um, in, in, in my culture, again, I said earlier, like, you know, you don't ask questions over here. Ask questions, but don't ask questions for the sake of asking a question. But if you have something burning, then okay, don't you? You might be uncomfortable in, in asking in a in in front of 15, 20 people. Ask them in private. Hey, I was thinking about this. This came this offer to me after you you presented. So what is this? So I might be wrong, or you know, over there. And then oh, they might say, oh yeah, that's that's a good point. Or, I didn't think about that. Oh yeah, actually, yes, that this is like they'll explain to you. So asking and um, yeah, just just feel relaxed. I would say yeah, that's great advice. Uh, particularly, I think the suggestion about the customer service role, I, I, I yeah. don't think you can under overestimate how important that is because uh -huh. you're, it's transactional. The dealings, you're you know, serving yeah. somebody or helping somebody yeah. and them complaining or whatever, it's yeah. really what happens at work in work situations. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. And, then, and the thing is customer service, well, I've done a few, few you know, odd jobs and, you know, 
those learning jobs. Um, but customer service, I said particular because you don't know what the other person is thinking, how that person approached to you. Uh, you might be in a bad mood, but you still have to be, um, you know, welcoming and then put a smile on your face and then be patient with the request. And that 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 teaches you a lot. And then, yeah, it would be someone just walking off the street and then requesting you something on the go and then you would be there to serve that customer. So I think it, it teaches teaches you a bit. Um, my, 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 if I think like I worked in Tanga Parlor, I worked in Ways Outdoors and I would meet uh, an interesting customer, customer every other day. So that, that was really fun. Like there are a lot of fun, funny stories, but what then what they taught me was like, you know, there's, there's everyone has a different need and then you, you're there, there to solve their problem whatever and you sometimes you can't solve the problem but you go out and seek help within your team member and, and solve the customer's problem so yeah right and that sort of interaction i think really helps with interview practice as well i mean i, I do interview yes. coaching but it's more than that it's about how you interact with people how you That's communicate right. yeah. you know it's yeah. not just you know trying to find the right answer to interview questions that's not really what it's about it's about the that, communication yeah. that's right and and then you know first few interviews i had i was so tense like i could i, I had literally people tell me like do you want some water like you don't look good <laughs> and then you know like i i remember that i i look at my those embarrassing first series before i met you terry <laughs> and, and then i i i think i recorded one time um like giving myself interview before and and then later on, like when you get used to it, you know, you feel one, you feel confident in yourself. And the second is like the interview just becomes a conversation between yourself and, and the prospective employer. It just becomes the, the great interviews that I've been into, which I feel really comfortable has been like a conversation, like you speaking to someone, you know, yeah, like That's this, right. like, like what I'm doing with you right now, it would be like that. Yeah. And then they can imagine what it would be like to work with you as well. You know, yeah, that's right. because that's yeah. what a conversation is it's what you do at work if yeah. you're presenting or giving some very formal speech in an interview yeah. it's not really yeah. why people interact so yeah that's yeah. Re really good advice that's but, right yeah and, and and there's like after that you know I've, over the years i've now been on interview panel and i've seen a few train wrecks and and then you know i was one of that train wreck sometimes yeah. i i that that might be that conversation for a different day but but yeah, just just relax and you know, like you you have your experience, you have your degrees, you know what you're doing. Uh, be relaxed, deep it, breath, and just answer. Yeah. Putting yourself in that position, it's quite uncomfortable for the interviewer seeing somebody suffer, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. And then sometimes you know that person looks so good in paper, and then you mm. know that person can deliver. But you know, you you there'll be. Yeah, but you still have that person need to, you know, do good in interview as well. There'll be a HR person sitting next to you as well. And but you know, you know the technical aspect of that person. But yeah, it, it yeah, sometimes we really have to help someone um in the interview as well, take up half an hour break, ask them to come back and then and do it again. Yeah. That's that's very nice of you. Yeah. As in, some interviewers wouldn't do that. So that's that's uh, great that you offer that as yeah. as part of that process. So that's Really useful advice, I think, for people listening. Um, so thank you very much and congratulations on what you've achieved, um, both in regional areas in Australia and in your work in a, a big city. Uh, I think the whole immigration process is a courageous one. Uh, it's <laughs> tough. 
It and is, it you've done a really good job and succeeded in many areas there. Just before we finish up, do you have any advice for somebody who's about to embark on the journey? So they're not here yet. Maybe they're still in Nepal or Pakistan or Iran, somewhere to come yeah. here. Before yeah. they leave, is there anything they can do? I would say do your own research. Like, you know, do your own research. Yes, there are help out there. Let's, there are, you know, uh, migration agent. There, um, I, I, I know people, you know, who have people hired to write their Engineers Australia competency statement as well. I would say, like, write your own statements. You would need help to, you know, um, to fine-tune your 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 CVs, your fine-tune your interviews, but you have to do your own research as well. You have to do your legwork. You 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 want to have a coach. You don't want to have a babysitter who would place you in a job over here in Australia. So to start that process, if you are listening here from outside Australia, I would say that open the website. There's so much of information over there in every uni, every employer website. There's there's a calendar, there's a grad connection calendar up in website. So so I would say do your research of the company, the job market, the the city you're living, the culture of the city. Uh, you know, um, have that basic understanding. So when you come over here as a, as a uh, professional um, who wants to you know, have a prospective employer in the city, then you know at least a bit about it. And after that, you know, when you're in the country, you meet other lovely people and then you get to know more about them as well. So I would say do your research while you have the time and the comfort of your home um, right. outside Australia. Yeah. So research and writing your own um, supporting statement for Engineers Australia, it helps you give you get clarity yourself. I think if you can explain... Yeah what yeah. you've done it helps you sort of formulate what you want to do and how that connects exactly. the whole yeah. two yeah. things yeah that's right yeah it's it's a, it's kind of um you know if, if you happen to have a you know an, an a workplace professional engineering job over here you would be writing so many reports and emails and memos that that engineering software competency statement would be nothing so so but but let's start with that and then over there it's it would be like your own self-reflection statement you know like yes. I've, I've seen so many coaches life coaches saying that you know write your goals write your achievements write your weaknesses in a piece of paper and read it loud I think for me like writing those statements was and then sometimes like people from my um, region like we are really shy to talk about ourselves um, and we struggle to talk about ourselves writing or in speaking. Uh, but, you know, those those kind of statements help you self-reflect. And then if there's anything lacking, then you would, I would say, definitely identify what is what are your lackings and shortcomings so that you can improve. And when you go to a, a career coach or anyone, do you say, okay, I'm lacking in, um, you know, one-to-one speaking can you help me with it and then you, at that point of time you'd be making most out of that coaching yes. yeah that's good advice well yeah. Diraj thank you for joining us today and yeah. uh, it's been great to catch up after such a long time too it was a uh, many years ago that we first met and um, thanks for sharing your experience and I think your inspiration and many people will take a lot from this so good luck with the future and keep in touch not a problem. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having me. OBP Australia provides guidance and support with job applications and approaching employers, industry awareness, interview coaching, and language and communication. 
you'll also be introduced to your professional peers already working in Australia, so you can get the lowdown on what's happening in your industry or profession. If you're looking for guidance and support to find your next job, email me at terry at obpaustralia.com.au. Let's talk.